Welcome to the Feminist Fight Podcast. I'm Bella, your host, and happy Black History Month. This week's episode will be focusing on feminist history of philosophy. Within that topic, I'll be talking about misogyny and philosophical texts, early modern women feminists, and feminist appropriation. I'm so excited for this week's episode. As a junior in high school, I haven't had the opportunity to study philosophy. The little I know about it fascinates me. Feminist history is often pushed over in history classes, so I'm here to educate you. So let's get started. So we're first going to talk about misogyny and philosophical texts. So we're going to first like have talk about what the definition of misogyny is, just to get like a general agreeable like definition of the word. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the definition of misogyny is hatred, aversion to or prejudice against women. Now that's out of the way, the first philosopher I'm going to talk about is Aristotle. There is no doubt that Aristotle's texts are misogynistic. He thought that women were inferior to men, and he said so explicitly. For example, to cite Cynthia Freeland, Aristotle says that the courage of a man lies in commanding a woman's lies and obeying that matter yearns for form, as that as the female for the male and the ugly for the beautiful. But men have fewer teeth than men that a female is incomplete, an incomplete male, or as it were, a deformity, which contributes to only, only matter and not form to the generation of offspring, that in general, a woman is perhaps an inferior being, that female characters in a tragedy would be inappropriate if they were too brave or too clever. However, this is with its obvious misogyny, this hasn't stopped women from studying or teaching Aristotle. Some would argue Aristotle's would held the wrong view about women and their capacity. But if this is so, Aristotle's theories, or most of them, are not tarnished. By his statements about women, we can ignore them since they're obviously false. For such an esteemed philosopher, some of his viewpoints kind of get swept under the rug. Aristotle is in a chosen example, but similar feminist critiques are available chronicling the explicit misogyny of other philosophers, such as Plato and Kant. Feminists often critiques Plato's theories, such as Timis and Laws, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but whatever, that characterize women as inferior to men, and rather than the equalitarian republic, which is like odd, he kind of, his statements and ideology kind of conflict, I don't know. Kant's writings, like Aristotle's, provide the ideal target for feminist criticism because they are both overt statements of sexism and racism. Ancient philosophers are telling sexist and annoying. That's what I've gotten out of my research, which honestly, it's a great analysis of their works, truly. I'm really, you know, great. So now I'm gonna talk about I'm moving on to female philosophers, which is much more enjoyable to research if I'm being honest, because men kind of suck. I'm kidding, mostly, I'm sorry. I just get frustrated with like misogyny and men. Okay. Anyway, from the mid-1990s, there has been a concerted effort by scholars to both rehabilitate the works of early feminists or feminist philosophers, sec and secondly, to make some of these women into philosophical canon, like agreeable, like their statements are agreeable, like, you know, these efforts have shown different approaches and ideologies to feminism over the years. While most modern philosophers have little knowledge of the women philosophers of the early modern period, there are historical records of these women and their works. Aline O'Neill in 1998 put together a list of these women. Her work provided a starting point for expanding the list. 
And it's worth considering the context in which these women are, were writing and what it suggests about their feminist methodology and the history of philosophy. These women must have been educated and which was progressive in the times of these being public. Most philosophers were self-consciously countering, uh, most of these philosophers were self-consciously countering a recognized misogyny in philosophy. While the so-called Kiraldes Femmes, which is French and I can't pronounce because I'm American, had been going on for centuries. The 17th century marked a turning point in the debate if women were better or worse than men. For example, in, 16, in 1622, Marie de, de Curidene wrote the on the equality of men and women. She deployed a skeptical method to argue for equality of men and women which is like a common, you know, the practice today, but during the time period, obviously, it's kind of like, like scandalous. Another example, in, in 1638, Anna Marie Van Sherman wrote Dissito Logica. Um, she argued for women's education, both by demonstration and in her book. Then in 1673, Francois Poulin de la Barre wrote on the equality of the two sexes. It drew on the principles of arguing for social equality of men and women. While the methods deployed by these thinkers are different, they all are all appropriate philosophical methods. Skepticism, skepticism, I can't pronounce that word. Basic rules of in inference and a new metaphysics, different from what the dominant Aristotle paradigm counter to counter these misogynistic claims. So now I'll be shifting topics to discuss feminist appropriation. Feminist philosophers have changed the history of philosophy by appropriating its ideas for feminist purposes. From the perspective of not negative canon formations, so like, you know, not great recognizable philosophy. The history of philosophy is a resource. It describes the theories and thinkers that were most deeply mistaken about women and feminists. Feminist historians of philosophy have found important resources for feminism and canonical philosophers. Indeed, they have found valuable concepts even in the worst offenders like Aristotle and Descartes. For example, in 1986, Martha Nussbaum wrote The Fragility of Goodness. Nussbaum describes the virtues of an Aristotle and ethics with its emphasis on the importance of concrete context, emotion, and care for others in an ethical life. You have to take these like philosophies and theories with a grain of salt because it's like in their works, they often contradict themselves. I don't know. It just, it is interesting to note that some of the very same philosophers who were cast as villains of the negative canon also mined by feminist theory theorists for useful ideas. Indeed, it is likely every philosopher from Plato to Nijitsyn, who has been condemned to the negative canon, also appears in some feminist positive canon. This is perplexing. After all, if feminists evaluate canonical texts so differently, it raises questions about the coherence of feminist interpretations of texts. Is Aristotle a feminist hero or a villain? The multiple and contrary readings of philosophical canon by feminists reflects the contest nature of us, of contemporary feminism. Thank you for listening to the fourth episode of the Feminist Fight Club podcast. 
I hope you all enjoyed a small introduction to feminist history of philosophy. Episodes will be posted every Friday at 12 o'clock. Next week's episode will focus on second wave feminism. If you have any suggestions for, the f- for future episodes or questions, you can find me on Instagram. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you all soon.